Hey, it's Prowlery's End. Prowlery's End.com. Uh, I am in New York City. This is a flashback episode of an episode you cannot get on iTunes. You can get it on our website, and you might have heard it. It's Adam Felber from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and myself talking about Old Dogs, a great film. Spoiler alert. You can hear, you can watch the film, you can stream it on Amazon on our website, proudlyresents.com slash new old dogs. Very excited. I love this episode. At the end, a couple of extras. At the very end, we're going to play, oh my God, John Travolta and his daughter singing Every Little Step You Take, which was in the movie. And you got to watch the video. You can go on YouTube or you can go to our site, proudlyresents.com slash new old dogs to watch this really creepy music video that is definitely worth watching and then in the show i say that the show the movie old dogs is originally rated r movie and after testing they realized that it should be a pg movie for kids that turns out not to be true true that turns out not to be true so that's fantastic listen people they meant it to be a terrible film thank you very much this is a really good bad film and I uh, hope to have Nico on to talk about A Talking Cat, which you can find on Netflix, which you can get it for free on our website. You can get Netflix free. Fantastic. But if you have it, you got to watch A Talking Cat with like a drunk Eric Roberts, maybe drunk, maybe not, doing a voiceover of A Talking Cat. Uh, spoiler alert. Anyway, check that one out. We're going to talk about that in the next week or so. If I can figure if she can figure out how to watch it in Wales. Hey, send a review, uh, send in what kind of shows you guys want to hear. More reviews, more interviews. Let me know. Check out some uh, other podcasts from my friends. Live from the Piano Kitchen is a great, like, a hipster prairie home companion. Also, check out Sully Baseball Daily. Jesus Christ, if you like baseball like Sully does, you'll be happy. You can hear a really passive-aggressive interview with my old friend Liam on Tell Your Friends, the only podcast that has a passive-aggressive host that (laughs) hates his guests. Um, We're old friends, and uh, sometimes we're friends, and sometimes uh, we have fights. We don't talk to each other for a long time, and you'll hear why. Uh, All right, all right, that's what I got. Tell people about the show if you like it. The music that you're about to hear is from Rob Paravonian. He's a great comic. He has a new CD coming out. Uh, I think it is, his website is Rob P. Rocks. He's awesome. His new CD has a great cover and funny songs as usual. All right. Enjoy today's show. You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even hear you. Well. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell. Uh, proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam's Biggest Men Show. To all you Proudly Resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't touch on hospitality. I want All right. Uh, this is Adam speaking with Adam Felber and here at Evil Usher. As of right now, the show is called Evil Usher. I love that. I think I think it's going to stick. It's My prediction stick. is you'll be hearing this under the name <laughs> Evil Usher a hundred times. I have made mistakes. Uh, I can't. I, like, some people, I can't get a tattoo because I can. So the title is a big thing. Yeah. 
So uh, Evil Usher for the moment. Okay. Speaking of titles, a we're tattoo gonna... is a lot more extreme than a, the name of a podcast. <laughs> I know, but it's still <laughs> both permanent. Both no. like, what were you thinking? There's some really badly named. I would podcasts say there's a 50% there. chance that we're talking about all this Evil Usher stuff, and that won't be the name that people have clicked on to hear this. No, there might be something totally different, yeah. a different introduction, uh, or and it will be cut. about cooking. Welcome to the cooking show, Evil Sous Chef. Uh, it took a while to think of that reference. Evil Saucier. Saucier. Yeah. Ramekin. Why don't we just call it Ramekin? Ramekin? Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you know what a Ramekin is? No, I don't. You were not. Were you a waiter? No. It's a totally waiter I was waiter a busboy. Then you've worked with Ramekins. Those are the little things that hold the sauce. Those tiny little bowls that would hold like ketchup on the side. or. Oh, those are Ramekins. Those are called Ramekins. Oh. Ramekin Skywalker, of course. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway, today we're talking about um, a movie called Old Dogs with John Travolta and Robin Williams. And I'm here with Adam Felber and myself, Adam Spiegelman, talking about old dogs and movies that are bad in a way that they're really good. So Very enjoyably bad movies. Yeah, so we're not shitting on this film. We love this movie. No, I would rather somebody... Yeah, if you want to hear somebody shitting on this movie, just read any review ever written. <laughs> <laughs> We're also saying it's bad, but we're saying you have to yeah, see it's it. It's really, really, really entertaining. Yeah, it's really entertaining. Um, this movie came out a couple of years ago, 2008, I think. It was pushed back a full year. Part of the reason, it was actually um, some background on the film. It was rated R, and then the test screenings were so bad that they had to make it, they recut it to make it rate PG, and they cut about 22 minutes out of the movie. It was rated R? Yeah, originally it was an adult comedy. It's a movie, I know, but now it's such a kid comedy. It's that when such you, a kid comedy. It runs about 88 minutes. An average film, film was supposed to be 109, uh, supposed to be 90 minutes, rather. This couldn't even make it. They couldn't, they even, couldn't even squeak over the, <laughs> the end. They had you know, 107 it, minutes to work with, and they couldn't do it. It is clear that some stuff was cut, because like they, they go to this, uh, John Travolta and Robin Williams are raising these kids. Well, I guess we'll get to the summary in just yeah, a minute. Um, but they go to this kid's camp, I guess a scout camp, at one point, and there are... It, it's all over very quickly, and there are a lot of references later to what went on at that scout camp, and, and you never saw it. Like, they burned it down or something? You never see it. Every that. scene in this movie, have, they have a lot of really big stars. So this has Matt Dillon and, and, and um, Justin Long from the Matt commercials. Yes, the so, scout camp uh, So that, that, was not a che- that whole thing was not cheap, but it was no, like they, a two-minute vignette. But it, it felt like it was probably like half the movie originally, in my, in my estimation. Yeah, the, the, movie, the, big, the big gag about this, the scout camp, so that, so that people know, is that Matt Dillon ends up thinking that Robin Williams and John Travolta are not best friends, but gay parents. But the problem with that premise is they do nothing to hide it. He says, are your parents gay, basically? And they cut to them and they go, oh, yeah, we've been together for 30 years. And they joke about how they're gay. So, of course, he would think they were gay if you'd say, yes, we are gay. They were, yeah, they were making kind of guy. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're like an old couple. <laughs> right, they actually yeah. say it. So the movie's about uh, Robin Williams and John Travolta are two of the best sports promoters or some kind of sports and promotion in the um, world. They're, they're, they're sport, they run a sports marketing firm. And before we go any deeper into this, I want to say that like one of the one of our favorite little details about, a, a, you know, in any sufficiently bad movie is that there's a magazine clip, a magazine article or oh, a right. video clip about them that um, shows you how great they are. It shows you how great they are and, and, and shows that they're successful and also lets you off the hook from ever having to really think about what their job is for the rest of the movie. Right. And we call those moments new architects moments because apparently in some movie it's like a Time magazine cover with, with a couple of your heroes and it says the new architects <laughs> from, the, from the film yeah yeah so it, uh, so they feature our heroes today yeah and uh, i have i actually have on my iphone so we're gonna you can edit this so you don't have to wait for me to get it but i took a picture of the screen we'll put those up we're gonna try to and you'll see, look at your phone or 
your computer right now, put the pictures up in that little box. It should come up and change um, as we talk about them. Yeah, early on, it, there's a there's a magazine article, really bad photoshopping with John Travolta playing golf, and it says "Sports Marketing Kings Rayburn and Reed." It's the name of the. But I'm looking at it, it's and it's, it there's a whole Photoshop, there's a whole montage of magazine articles, and they're photoshopped all over the place. Yeah, terrible job, big movie, major major production, terrible photoshopping. Mm-hmm. Who is he in that picture with? When they 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 have uh, John Travolta golfing with someone in this magazine. And to show that he is a sports, excuse me, a sports, but show that he is a sports magnet, they put in a huge personality, and they put Broadway Joe. Yeah, it's it's Joe Namath. But and it's and and if you if you look at the picture, and I do want everybody to go to the website and look at the picture, it's an oddly squashed Joe Namath too. Yeah, they they if they somebody fit him dro- in. if somebody dropped a brick on Joe Namath, his head would look that. But he's big. also photoshopped. Like they didn't have to photoshop the other guy. No, they could have got a picture of Joe Namath golfing with someone. You would think. Yeah. Uh, yes, they could have no, no, called is, them. This is Joe Namath in, in a planet with gravity much, much more intense than the one that we're on. It's a really it's There's actually a lot of good uh, pictures, moments from that movie. Um, there's a website called, uh, a Tumblr site called facesofolddogs.tumblr.com. And it's just five or six pages of just mugging and bad shots of characters from the uh, different actors from the movie let's get back to the summary because the, there's so much going on do a summary okay so so i i can probably do this pretty Go bare ahead. bones robin williams and uh john travolta run a sports marketing firm and um neither one has a stable relationship in their life right robin williams had, was married years ago but it didn't work out and he had a, also had a marriage that was for like 20 minutes which we'll hear about uh, in a minute, and John Travolta is a playboy, right? Mm-hmm. He's a swinging bachelor. Even though we never see him hook up once. No, 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 he doesn't hook up. But but that's the that's the gist. <laughs> in any case, yes. Early on in the movie, um, uh, Robin Williams receives a visit from Kelly Preston, the woman that he married for like twenty minutes. And it turns out that like seven years earlier, when they were married for like twenty minutes, she had two kids, uh, twins, that were his kids. She never told him. Them, him about them now she's visiting him to let him know that like these are your kids oh and also i have to go spend time in jail so you're gonna have to raise these kids right. for a little while i wanted to talk about the age for a second but then you said the jail thing she doesn't <laughs> go to china she doesn't have to go to the arctic she yeah. goes to jail yeah she was like an activist like she tied herself to a tree or something and has to go to jail. that's a good seat of the movie like yeah. ro- somehow how do we get these kids into robin williams hands right well the mother has to give them up and in some movies the mother would die and mm-hmm. he gets stuck with a kid at the doorstep and you're like baby boom she's stuck with a baby so his future wife the woman's in love with is going to jail and of course they make her an activist mm-hmm. but then the scenes from jail it's like the nicest jail you've ever seen in your life like mm-hmm. And she calls throughout the movie. We're skipping around, but she calls throughout the movie to check in on Robin Williams and the kids from jail. And it looks so pleasant. No one's getting shanked. No yeah, one's getting no hit shanking. in the head with a tray. Well, you no saw one's that, pushing that books no around. shanking sign that's there's like one right in front of us. So <laughs> and, very obedient. And again, we're it, jumping it, ain't, it ain't exactly cell block H. No, it's not. And she calls up just to keep the conceit of the movie going. How is it going with the kids? How are you doing as a dad? Not once did someone say, hey, how's jail? Yeah, you know, no one says, "Are you doing all right? Are you eating? Are you working out?" Yeah, this you is the any- opportunity for the woman to call from jail and make sure that the guy that she's basically only spent twenty minutes with in her entire life, right, um, is taking good care of the two kids she dumped. On not him. even that, like, <laughs> not even like, how are my kids? How are you taking care of my? It's how are you dealing with the kids? Yeah, she's calling to see how Robin Williams is. Well, it's it's one of those movies where, you know, people are you know, 
it's one of those star-driven movies. Right. Everybody's interested in what, how Robin Williams and John no Travolta are doing because they're Robin Williams and John Travolta. So, but it could be a totally different movie. It could be a movie about two kids that get dumped with a rich playboy dad they didn't know they had. And yeah. it could be from the kid's point of view. Or it could be from Kelly Preston's point of view. But it's, yeah, it's from his point of view. So 20 minutes in the movie, he is dumped with these kids because she's going to jail. So here's the math thing I figured out. They hooked up seven years ago, uh-huh. had sex one night, and now she has two kids that are seven years old. Yeah. Oh. She is playing him. She's playing she, him. She is playing. She was pregnant when she met him. She had to have been. Yes. Those kids can't. And those kids are definitely seven. They're, those are not six. Or no, those are big kids. Yeah, those are big kids. In the sequel, oh, I we think should he point out. out. Oh, this is this is really worth pointing out. And if you do get the DVD, you got to watch the music oh, video that goes with yeah. it. Um, the girl, they're, they're, they're fraternal twins. The gr- little girl is played by John Travolta's daughter. Does a great daughter. job. Both and kids are good. Both kids are fine. Yeah. But the video, they do, uh, John Travolta sings a song for the movie that's not in the movie, it's just in the video. Mm-hmm. And he does the video with his daughter. Yeah, it's Every Little Step You Take. That song from the 90s. Every little step I take. And it's, the video is very creepy and weird. It's, 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 it's a little creepy. There's a lot of creepy things in the movie. So the movie is hodgepodge. And so basically, it's like how do these two swinging bachelors in their late 50s deal with two kids that are, we just figured out aren't really theirs? Um, so there's, but. They're different segments. It's almost like webisodes. It's almost like we're watching seven or eight different webisodes. Yeah. I think if once the movie failed as a rated R movie, they should have cut it up into the most expensive web series ever. Because I think I would watch like you might have been entertained by it. Yeah, ten minutes of like or twenty minutes of the camping scene or twenty because they get these kids and well, there is an overarching plot, which is that this sports marketing firm is on the verge of the biggest deal of their career. Because uh, John Tra- they, there's this Japanese firm that might partner with them, and it's all about John Travolta and uh, Robin Williams and their little little silent partner Seth Green closing the deal with these Japanese people while trying to deal with the wacky complication that there are now kids in the picture. And closing the deal means going to dinner and acting okay and playing golf and making sure the golf game yeah. goes all right. Otherwise, they're ready to give them forty-seven million dollars based on, and they keep saying forty-seven million dollars. Yeah, but. Ten times. Um, let's talk about the camping scene. And you brought up uh, Matt. Uh, Matt Dillon plays like so. For some reason, the kids are the, in his house for five minutes, and like we have to go camping. We're scouts, just out of the blue. Yeah. So they go on this camping trip, and they're which all makes in you uniforms. wonder where were these kids actually living all this time? They're in the same city as Robin Williams, just down the street. He didn't know. Yeah. Just down. The, yeah, but I think they were in Florida, but somehow now there's a camping trip down the street. Mm-hmm. So they and they, a lot of times a voiceover at the back of Robin Williams' head saying, "I can't believe we're going camping." You know, because right. they have to hodgepodge this movie. Together. Clearly, we've just hacked and slashed this movie out to pieces, and we need to. <laughs> I mean, so, a little bit of narrative. Yeah. So Matt Dillon's character is named Master Barry, which I just wanted to point out. Oh, which is fantastic. Did not catch that while I was watching. And so when we watched it, you see in the middle of this campground, there's this huge like shrine with a guy in it, with a, and it's Ma- um, Master Barry's uh, grandfather who started the camp. And there's wood all around it, just set up to go on fire. Just wacky shenanigans, right? right. So, of course, it, it gets set on fire, but we don't see it happen till later. If you want to explain what. I mean, you know, I don't know what I don't know what happened. They're camping. It's it's really funny that Matt Dillon thinks Robin Williams is John Travolta's gay partner. It's hilarious. Uh, they accidentally do something around the campfire. Oh, they put they you know they they put um, eye black on their cheeks, and it turns out to be bear scat. So that's a, like a really early poo joke. 
and that's one of them. But they keep the bear scat on their face. Right, because they're all dogs. They're determined, and they're going to show these youngsters what it's all about. So here's a clip uh, with the bear scat. It's going to come up in a second. Come up in a Loner. Loner. Let's see the gay part. <laughs> yes, check to see if they're gay. Yes, check to see if they're gay. They're working a lot. Hey, Zach, Emily. I should get your grandpa to leave the office and come over here and join us in the woods. He's not our grandpa. He's our dad. You sure, Zach? My grandpa was like a dad to me, too. He is true, Master Barry. He's my dad. His partner. And that's his partner. It's like we have two dads. Just found out. Trust me, it was a surprise. <laughs> Been together 30 years. Feels like 50. <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, we're soulmates, right? Uh, you know, oh, you could... Yeah. You must have a best buddy. Yeah, a pal, someone you could... So, fine. Take care. Loner. Loner. Just tell him he's dead. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> no bears allowed. Thank you, True Master Barry. Thanks. No trouble at all, kids. You ladies ready to play a little ultimate frisbee? Oh, I, I do want to talk so, about Mr. the ultimate Testosterone. frisbee. Oh, yeah. Ultimate frisbee. What are the... They play ultimate frisbee, and they get a little bit beat up, and then somebody screams something like... Prison rules. Prison rules. Somebody screams prison rules. Everybody instantly knows what that is. And, and they're okay it with it. And they're okay with it. And it becomes this brutal rugby-like ultimate Frisbee game. Point out about prison rules. The guy yells prison rules and people, mothers and fathers and, ba and kids are just beating the fuck out of each yeah, other. Yeah, they just plain beat the shit out of each other. That prison rules, that game at camp is worse than the actual prison that Kelly Preston's in. Oh, way worse. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> prison like, rules, like you get out your If I'm playing cups. Ultimate Frisbee, uh, you know, and somebody yells prison rules right. and then starts, like, hammering the fuck out of me with a folding chair, <laughs> that's when I say, Why is it okay? I'd rather just play regular rules Ultimate Frisbee. It's okay. He did yell prison rules. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm oh, sorry. All right, that's true. All right, so I think I queued it up to the scat part. Hold on really oh, okay. quick. They just found out. So they've got... Scat on their faces. <laughs> That's what I wanted. So they, they go out and they play and they keep the scat on their face. Yes. So they're walking out there with poop on the, right under their nose. Yes. They put it like the football players. They put the black underneath. Eye black, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that what you guys call it? Eye black? That's what we, yeah, well, what we athletes call it. Wow. Yeah. So that's one. So And then they get kicked out. Next thing you know, they're back in New York. Right, and you don't really know what happened at the campgrounds. And then there are references to how they burned the place down. And then they show the scene, so they must have shot. It could have been the whole movie could have taken place at the camp. Yeah, they, we they don't know. Have, yeah. Um, so we'll talk about some other good... There's a lot of great uh, cameos in this, and we'll talk about your favorite cameo. Yeah, there's a cameo for... The, um, they childproof John Travolta's apartment, which for convoluted reasons the kids are staying at. The kids are um, seven, and they're childproofing. And they're childproofing. And the two childproofers are, who's the other one? Well, Louis Guzman. Louis Guzman. Louis Guzman playing a, a, a guy smaller than Louis Guzman, isn't he? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like a little Guzman? Yeah, I think he's playing a little Guzman. <laughs> you mean he's lighter or he's just tiny? No, tiny. They shrink him? I think they shrunk him. They, for this movie, they shrunk him. 
Uh, and Dax Shepard isn't a little person, is he? No, but they shot him from about a mile away. To yeah. be fair, okay, they used a different lens. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> and 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 his partner Dax Shepard. And I do want to say that, like in bad movie after bad movie, Dax Shepard continues to be funny. And even in good movies, in uh, what was the one about the future? Uh, Idiocracy. Oh, he's great in Idiocracy. Yeah. But there's like that that horrific Dane Cook movie. Oh, employee uh, of the month. Employee of the month. And that's that's that absurd Dane Cook movie that takes place in a in a, like a Walmart. But there's a secret society, you know. And Costco. Costco, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course. And there's you, a secret world behind the shelves in it. And it's really dumb. And Dak Shepard is hilarious in that, too. He does a great job. So here he is, um, real quick, when you meet Dak Shepard as he's baby proofing um, John Travolta's bachelor pad. I'm going to say why he's there. Because Robin Williams lives in a condominium complex that's for adults only. There's a big sign that says adults only. So he doesn't think this out. He agrees to take these two kids and doesn't say, wait a second, it's adults only. So that... I, the, yeah, he doesn't even have a living situation that can accommodate kids. And I doubt this guy is so rich that he's renting. Like, I think he could buy the condo and, and make a rule. Yeah, you uh, think. I mean, he runs one of the most successful sports marketing firms in the country. His partner played golf with Joe Namath. Yeah. He's got. <laughs> it was on a, in a magazine to prove it. So he moves him in with uh, John Travolta, and then baby proofs the house, even though they're seven years old. And Travolta's not happy. Failed one, sir. I'm a failed civil engineer. I got a lot of bad road behind me, a lot of potholes. That is why I'm going to be extra vigilant in protecting your children. They're seven, okay? And they're his kids. That's true. That's progressive, and I'm all for it. Oh, come on. Now, even I know you do not baby-proof a house for a seven-year-old. Oh. What about the 15-foot deep end? That's I mean, real. sir, you got a flamethrower for a fireplace. You know, it's a fashion. It's a style. The spears? What kind of guy buys poison-tipped spears? A thousand years ago, they were poison. I don't know if they're poison now. You bought those a thousand years ago? No, they're... You expect me to believe that? You designed this house of horrors. You brought the kids to this house. Stop it. Don't eat that. Those are dog treats. They, they cut the clip off of where Louis Guzman has a great line. And they said, that's dog treats. And he goes, oh, it tastes better than the smoked salmon that I ate. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. they're both very they're, funny. They're both very, very funny. They both, they both do a, a very good job. Um, but that's just yet another vignette before they go into <laughs> Wait, Bernie, the Bernie Mac thing. The uh, Can we just go back to the beginning of the movie? <laughs> because you forgot. Well, we made a bet last night. Uh, it was about five of us watching the movie, and we all put money in to see which We all bet gag. a dollar on one hack gag. I think I took... Um, Oh, I took farts. You took there'd be a fart joke first. Mm-hmm. I said there'd be a kick in the balls first. Right. Somebody else picked a poop joke. Poop joke. So he said fart. I said actual poop. Yeah. And then um, there was also Dylan said uh, peeing, a pee uh, joke. Yeah, Dylan took pee, pee joke. And then the last one, by the way, I didn't think it was a good choice, and it didn't happen. It was uh, somebody's. We're drinking Cokes and doing a podcast, so I'm burping. Nice. Um, It'll come out in the edit. Uh, it, the, it, the it last was, uh, get real gramps. Yeah, someone saying get real yeah, gramps. So some, some kid, you know. So we'll just stick to the four. So there was four things. There was the we one bet the first thing that happened would be a poop joke, and the other one was a fart joke, a pee joke, and then a kick in the balls. Right. We knew all were coming in this movie, and they were all there. Yeah. But it, which came first? Yes. And we have to say that Dylan won with the pee joke. Within ten minutes, they had a dog not only just peeing on the floor, but walking across the floor and peeing. Right. Within ten the minutes, the dog who was the metaphor for the entire movie because he's an, he's an old dog. Oh, see, that's I didn't get he's that. He's an old dog. He gets up from his little dog bed, <laughs> peeing, and walks across Jesus the floor, Christ. peeing. And yeah, it's hilarious. It's fantastic. So, and of course, there's the, there's a lot of gags, right? There's like physical gag. The whole movie is a collection of physical gags. Yeah. So right away, there's the tanning bed gag. 
Oh, right off the bat, Robin Williams goes to uh, John Travolta drags him out to a tanning salon because he's gonna update his image and, or something. Something. And uh, he goes into one of those tanning showers. Those spray tan things, but of course, there's no off button. There's no emergency off in that thing. And John Travolta's hitting on the lady running the place, and so Robin Williams just gets doused in tanning. So he's completely dark. He spends by ten minutes into the movie, he's kind of in blackface. Not, it's pretty Slow. much it's brown it's, face. It's brown face. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty it's close to a, a great classic of film, uh, The Jazz Singer. It's where really Neil close Diamond to is an jazz actual finger. blackface. Um, but. What's kind of cool about about Robin Williams's brown face is, is the the giant gag about it is that he's in Grand Central Station, and and uh, first an Indian guy mistakes him for a fellow Indian guy, right, and then a Spanish woman um, mistakes him for one of her own, and it's uh, everybody. Th- er, er, he looks like every brown person in the world, I guess, because he's brown, right. And he says, uh, "What am I, the United Nations?" Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. So, and then he meets his Kelly Preston, and he's he's tan, and she says to him. Let's fix that tan. I have a home remedy. And then the next scene, he's back to normal. Yeah. So she's got some kind of like, she takes some lemons and squirts it <laughs> in a bowl and some Do not know. baking soda. I don't know. The movie made a uh, total $49 million and it cost 35 to make. Really? So it made money. <laughs> it made money. Hopefully it'll make more money. Hopefully you will see this movie and just be shocked. Um, it was all, most of it was done, shot in Connecticut. Because there's a huge, um, you get thirty percent off. You get thirty percent tax break, tax incentive. So uh, nice. Japan was the Connecticut. Japan New York was, was Connecticut. New York was Connecticut. Very Japan-y. It really it did. did. Yeah. yeah, they did a good job. But there were some funny scenes when they were flying back and forth to Japan. They would have, they would run out of Japanese extras. So they have white guys in suits. Mm-hmm. It was always like Japanese people and then white older white guys in suits because they just I don't know they ran out of casting. Yeah, well, they clearly didn't. They could have just you know driven over to. Little Tokyo, right outside Danbury. I think they would have. Right. They, <laughs> they were in Connecticut. Can you yeah, imagine exactly. trying to find anyone, any ethnicity in Connecticut? Excuse me, sir. Do you know any Japanese people? Close enough, sir. Come with us. And we should tell people that, like, the, the the number of bizarre vignettes we haven't even scratched the surface because there's the switching prescription drugs thing that leads to oh. horrific CG smiles. Ter- oh uh, yes, the, you might yeah. see in the commercial. Yeah, the, the kid, the kids accidentally switch um, the. Robin Williams's and John Travolta's drugs because they're old. They need all these drugs. And they take all these drugs, and so they, with switch drugs, and, and they drop the pill boxes, and then try to stuff them back in. They both have to do things that they are now incapable of doing because they've got wacky drug side effects. But why is it? Stay with me on this. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams takes John Travolta's drugs and vice versa, mm-hmm. and he gets all the side effects. For some reason, Travolta doesn't get the side effects when he takes his own drugs, but when Robin Williams takes it, he gets it. I'm, they don't explain that. They so, just take a lot of pills. They're taking the wrong pills. And what happens is John Travolta ends up with a hideously deformed face and a constant Joker-like smile. And he's at a bereavement group. Yeah, he's at and a he bereavement can't group and he can't stop smiling. And he goes on a date and he, he can't <laughs> stop smiling. It's really hilarious. He's Robin d- Williams, on the other hand, has a bunch of physical symptoms that the end result of all of them is that he, he's hitting people in the balls a lot. Which is fantastic because I won money on that. So I was okay <laughs> with that part of the film. And, or John Travolta is on a date with the two kids with this stupid smile and a bereavement group. Yeah. The woman invites him to a picnic of people from her bereavement group. <laughs> and they're out on the ocean. It's never been so beautiful. No. It's like the most beautiful group of people who are, who are not happy 
you'll ever find. Uh, yeah, it, it's a really bad group of people for somebody to have a frozen, freakish smile on their face. You so, get it? Yeah. Like, they must have said, what can we do? What's the worst situation? What's the worst place he could be? And they're like, I don't know. You know, maybe uh, a bottle factory? No, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Maybe some kind of bereavement group picnic? That sounds fantastic. A picnic. <laughs> I'm sure they must have those kind of things. Well, they must have been like, well, what about a bereavement group? Great, but we got to bring it outside. Let's bring it outside. Let's make it bigger. Well, they have a weekly picnic for some reason. Oh, that's fantastic. It's <laughs> <laughs> their picnic. Um, there's a, a, and I didn't even understand this. Maybe I was, maybe I was going through a hard time in my life when I saw this part of the movie. But there was some <laughs> kind of like, there's some kind of motion control Which part. One? Where they're controlling. All right, this is. People are controlling Robin Williams's body on a date. The kids are controlling him to help him through the date because they have no, this no, motion no. control stuff. The or? date on the ki- to hang out with the kids. Uh, Travolta oh, realizes right. even though they've spent most of the movie relating to the kids and not mm-hmm. and and doing okay with the kids, he's got to help them. So he yeah. brings them to a, a puppeteer played by Bernie Mac. This is his last film. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, he's done such great work. Wow. Yeah, uh, he's a puppeteer and he can. Someone, this doesn't exist, but he can control Robin Williams because he's a puppeteer. So he, Robin Williams takes this like pen-like device and pretty much puts it up his ass, and then they can control him back and and make him do stuff because for some reason he can't talk to kids. So this is a whole different movie on yeah, its own. You can see this it comes out of compl- nowhere suddenly. It's a body control thing with Bernie Mac and John Travolta remotely puppeting Robin Williams on a play date with his own kids. Even though we've already established that John Travolta doesn't know anything about kids. No, John Travolta knows less than Robin Williams. But here's how I just thought of this, that this is how it felt like this movie was written. The people who were writing this movie were trying to get fired. And they're like, (laughs) come back and pitch us more ideas. This is good. He goes, all right, hold on, listen up. Yes. He controls Robin Williams. um, How? I don't know. He puts a thing up his ass. He's like, this, they're just trying to get thrown out. They might, they might, they might well have. What about, we'll put Robin Williams in blackface. Will that get us fired? We'll, we'll Great put, idea. We'll have to <laughs> continually hit Seth Green and Japanese people in the balls on the golf course. We will insult Japanese people way beyond. That's oh, fantastic. Very, yeah, it's very insulting. Uh, when, uh, Jim Bruce is a comedian, and uh, he's, he's the reason I, I think we watched it, because he really fell in love with this movie. And he said... Um, he said the be- he just wrote me an email. Said, the best thing is how realistic the relationships are. Um, the kids have never seen him, but as soon as they meet him, they call him dad, and immediately <laughs> they have. And then, of course, he says, "I love a gorilla suit." So let's go into the gorilla. Oh yeah, which is a, a totally different movie. Well, oh, they they go to Japan to uh, close the deal, right. um, and but they but Robin Williams soon realizes he he wants to be a really good dad, so he goes back, and it's the kids' birthday party at the zoo in Vermont. Um, even though they're supposed to be in New York City and this was shot in Connecticut, this is a Burlington Zoo. For they go to Burlington Zoo for their birthday party. And they drive they five get hours. There and, and, and Seth Green and John Travolta and Robin Williams get there too late. So they have to break into the zoo, which they do, but they come up in an animal. The zoo is and closed. And they're attacked by penguins. And they're Another thing, just one, one thing. The guy point, he points to the gate that he, he chained and padlocked. He chained and padlocked a bunch of kids inside a zoo. Right, but nobody's allowed in after no hours. No one's allowed even out. Though, even though his son's birthday party's going in. <laughs> he, put, he put a chain lock on it. Yeah. Those kids, are, if there's a fire, those kids are dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, oh. it's like a, a factory in the 1920s. It was, yeah. 
So, so they broke in through like some kind of a subterranean tunnel system and, and, and emerge in the gorilla enclosure and they abandoned Robin Williams and, and John Travolta abandoned Seth Green to the gorilla enclosure and end up getting attacked by penguins. Oh, it's fantastic. And it's it's really fantastic. And I do want to get to the ending. I want to give away the ending, too, because I, I have a bigger point to make about the ending. You still should see but the in movie. in any case, a gorilla gets Seth Green, kind of falls in love with him and cradles him for a while. And Seth Green is is completely standard, completely funny, I think. He's very Being funny. Being terrified of, of this gorilla. It is a very creepy moment. And then somehow Robin Williams ends up in a jetpack. Well, of course. And I didn't he, I forgot and he, about he that. He flies in, and he, he's the hero of the birthday party. You know, the, the dad arriving in a jetpack. And they'd set up that the kids thought that their dad, they'd always thought their dad was a superhero. And then he proves to be one who flies in at the end. And the reason I want to bring that up is because I think an underrated hallmark of really bad Hollywood family movies is that it enacts a fantasy that a lot of older men in Hollywood have that even though they're working all the time, they can be great parents. And they have a higher calling than to be. Pa- they, they don't have to be there the whole time. They can just be the hero. They at the can end just spend a lot of money. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And and we see it in all these family, like those sort of like tributes to absentee fatherism. You know, and it, I think it's, I think it's the story of how a Hollywood executive feels. I think it's sort of like, you know, daddy can't be here to be daddy because daddy has to bring the world so much joy. I gotta work <laughs> to pay for this goddamn birthday yeah. party. And, but you know, he and and um in uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, jingle all the jingle way. Jingle all the way. Yeah, he's he's a terrible father. He's never around, but then he gets him the toy. Oh, he's, he gets him the toy basically at the end, or he dress he turns into the superhero. He turns out to be a superhero. Yeah, he turns into a superhero, and that's exactly what Robin Williams does here. That was the same yeah. ending. Yeah, seven seven years right. without ever seeing the kids, and then he flies in on a rocket suit, and he's the most magical guy in the world. So you're a movie executive. You haven't seen these fucking kids in 15 years, and you buy him a goddamn BMW. They must fucking love me. They must. I fucking bought him a brand new BMW. And they've been bringing so much joy to the world. I've been working my ass off. <laughs> it is a fantasy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that and, is. And it's an older dad fantasy. We watched this last night at the uh, Bunk Dance Film Festival, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Bunk Dance Film Festival. Bunk Dance um, was founded years ago. I, I mean, we're not naming names here, right? No, it's just Bunk Dance. Uh, bunk Dance was founded by a couple of people involved uh, in the... Uh, Ken. At the... I mean... This is no trial or anything. You can name yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of people, a couple of individuals who shall remain nameless, who were involved in the um, uh, Slam Dance Film Festival, which takes place during Sundance, and um, they started. The, you know, they had screened so many movies, and some of them inevitably are not very good. And I, I guess their parlance for you know, like where they were staying in Park City, it's Park City, right? Park City. Um, but they would unwind with bad movies at the end of the day and call it bunk dance. Because they were in bunk beds. Yeah, and so that's it. been a bad movie club. That's, it's a venerated one here in Hollywood. We've, you know, it's been around you know, for years now. For years. I always thought it was bunk dance because the movies were bunk, but it turns out they were just lying in They bunk were bunking dance. together, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bunking together in Park City. <laughs> it didn't have a deeper meaning than no. where they were sleeping. Um, it's been going on for years, and every other week there's two or three movies picked. Um, one hard and fast rule is that anybody, and that means anybody, can call a go-back. Oh, go ahead. Tell, tell us what a go-back is. Well, if you notice something particularly awful, like whether it's the, the work of an extra in the background or it's some acting that you just saw or, you know, uh, you know, one of the most common things is, I guess, the boom dropping in. But that's like anything terrible. There is a boom shot in this. There is a boom shot in this. Um, you can just call a go-back, and you have to go back and look at it again. And if the movie is particularly awful, it can take a long, long time to this, get through a 2 To get to movie. the first 20 minutes, it took about an hour. Yeah. Because we kept going back. We had to. Now, another rule about the go-back is if in, in during the movie, mm-hmm. if someone says go-back... 
you have to go back. Yeah, that's a total stoner's law. That's, <laughs> that's really what that's about. That's, you know, over over years, little things creep in, and so that's that's just a painful thing. But there wasn't a lot of that in Old Dog. No, thankfully. But it is great when you're watching a bad movie and you're getting through it. You're getting through it, and someone says, go back, and you're like, oh, like you ah. don't want to watch it again. <laughs> you're going to make me watch it seconds, again. Yeah. Are there any other rules um, for the bunk dance? During uh, the- well, we, we have to go. We have the absolute go-back rule. We have the... The the uh, the go the other go back rule and um, that and that's pretty much it. Early on, uh, you know, we tried to define what the aesthetic of bunk dance was, and it had to be it had to be a terrible movie that you didn't mind screaming through the entire thing. Right. You know, we do not we do not watch silently. Nick Nicholas Cage is one of our patron saints, and it's not because he's a bad actor. No, he's a great actor. He's a great actor who. If he's in a bad movie, he's going to give you that same 150% that he gives you in a good movie. Right. It's still a great... He's still committed. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, He's in a lot... He just keeps doing them. He keeps... Yeah. Well, you know, he's got to work. Apparently, he's (laughs) had some financial troubles lately. And God bless him. You know, you don't... Usually, in in a terrible movie, you will see somebody... And and one of our cliches that we have at Bunk Dance is that somebody is looking around. When they're looking off screen, they're looking for their big bag of money. Because that's the only reason they're they're, they're there. Like, I think... um, Ben Kingsley is it who's in um, Blood Rain that that Uwe Boll video game movie, and he's clearly looking off camera for his bag of money in every scene. But Nicolas Cage is never looking for his his bag. No, of he's money. into it. He yeah. thought this was going to be good. Yeah, or at least he plays like he, like he wants to be there. Yeah, Uwe Boll is the director version of Matt McConaughey and Nicolas Cage, where he but he. He makes really bad movies. Yeah, he makes tremendously bad movies. Uh, he's a German director who took advantage of a tax credit in Germany that if you make a movie, you can get money back or something. So yeah, he, it was even a, if the movie making fails. a terrible movie became a money making scheme. So he started making like um, the producers. Yeah, he started making video game movies. So all the movies for some reason have to be based on a video game. I don't know why. So some of the uh, in the name of the king, in the name of the father, in the name of the king, in the name of the king, a dungeon siege. It's based on a game called Dungeon Siege, and everyone in that movie is looking for their bag of money. Yeah. Jason Statham, Burt Reynolds, uh, Ray Liotta plays a wizard, a medieval wizard. Who's oddly wearing, like, black jeans. He's wearing, like, a cape that looks like it's right out of the Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. So his movies are another one to look out for, and I think it's really hard not to get a, a good, bad Uli Bowl film. Postal is the one I would watch out for. Did you, have you Postal seen Postal is rough. Yeah. Postal is the is Uwe Boll's uh, one attempt at being at making a movie that he enjoyed. I think. Yeah, and purposely make he trying to make a good movie, trying to make a good movie, trying to make a wild political comedy, and it, you know, if you enjoy watching, you know, kind of graphically slapstick gags involving nine eleven, you're gonna love this movie. I don't want to give away the beginning too <laughs> the much because it's really over the top. But I think, again, if you're 18 or 17 and you're like, wow, he's making fun of 9-11, it would blow your mind. It would until you see the rest. Of, I mean, the movie is bizarre. It is really bizarre. And uh, who from Kids in the Hole is in it? It's uh, Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Full frontal Foley. Oh, yeah, we do have full frontal Foley. It's like a bag of money. Like, how much is the bag of money just to be in the movie? And a comedy, a great comedian yeah. doing this horrible comedy. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll take my pants off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Full yeah. frontal. Right. Really? Nothing else but you'll show your penis in, in this movie. In, in tribute to Dave Foley, though, the, the, the excessive deadpan with which he was completely <laughs> naked on the screen was really, really entertaining. So uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, old Dogs, do you recommend people see this or not? Yes. This is, this. if you have any interest in seeing a movie that is not good because it is not good and really enjoying it with a couple of friends, uh, all, you can't go wrong with Old Dogs. Uh, I will agree. Old Dogs is great. Uh, rush out and get it.
So, Adam, thank you very much. And uh, we'll Thank you, Adam. I'll be back. We'll be back next week or next time or in 10 minutes. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. With a show that We're probably just a click away e- for... for, for uh, May or may not be called Evil Usher. Uh, let me, Adam, I'm going to ask you a question while you think about the answer. I'll just uh, wrap things up. Another podcast that you would recommend. Now, as you think about this, let me thank um, RZO Hothouse for letting us, uh, producing our show here. It's a full production facility and a monthly comedy show with fantastic comedians. It's free. There's also free booze. If you want to know about it, uh, email tsr818 at mac.com. It's in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, come down to see a fantastic show and drink some free booze. I think that's worth it. Um, Jim, who we mentioned, he's on the Paul Goble podcast, and that's a very funny TV-centric show. And Adam, what do you recommend for people to listen to? Oh, there's this little rinky-dink outfit called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I really recommend it. Uh, if you get a chance, you can hear Adam and other very funny people on the NPR, very popular uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me podcast. podcast. And also uh, Bill Maher has a podcast yeah. of a TV show that he's been doing. Um, yes, I write for that show. No, so uh, Adam writes for the uh, HBO show Real Time with Bill Maher, which of course you can get on HBO and you should pay them so Adam can have a living. But they also put it on uh, iTunes for a week free. later for yeah, free. Audio so, version for free on iTunes. So don't pay for HBO, especially because the side gags come across better. <laughs> it is better. It is worth $15 just to see a, a doctored photo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, please buy HBO. Adam's got a kid. All right, thank you very much. And <laughs> Adam, we're we're out of time for this interview. In my world, there are no bad guys, only sun showers, and there is a restaurant called the Cooking Cafe, and it has desserts like Coco Milano, Ricky Tiki Ice, and Mikey Tiki Blue. It's my type of world. Everybody is happy. There are lots of kids and puppy dogs, even unicorns. I saw your face got all choked up. You were so beautiful. And as a matter of fact, it blows my mind. You were even part of me. Cause a girl like you is like a dream come true. A real life fantasy. No matter what your friends try to tell you, you will always be the one. And we will be together in any kind of weather. It's like that. That's a guarantee And you can best believe I got your back Never have to feel no pain Cause I dedicate my life to you You can really count on me No matter what your friends try to tell you You will always be the one And we will be together
like to retreat the more like people. All the animals. And everybody has a lion. And they could make the, um, the lions and the elephants go in the plane to travel yeah. them. And they <laughs> the planes have to be big enough to take the lions and the elephants. That's a great world. Now, can I come to that world? If you let me come to your world. <laughs> I think we should both be in each other's world. Never and never. Every step I take.